for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. With me, as always, your co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. And I'm your other co-host, Cam. I think we got in a mute-unmute battle there because I was (laughs) making sure that you were unmuted and you were making sure that you were unmuted and we were both just like... And I was carefully moving the mouse. <laughs> I shall be heard. Now, like, here's my my deep secret is that I was actually trying to mute you. I was just like, silence. No. Oh, interesting. Sorry. That'd be uh, interesting, like, because I really don't pay attention to that most of the time we're recording. So you you could have an absolutely insane podcast recording where you just mute me out. Yeah, you would never know because you can hear yourself never. in your in-ears, yeah. Mm-hmm, it would, mm-hmm. it would and then a- everyone listening would be like, what is happening? <laughs> Yeah, it'd sound like a schizo or something like that. Not that there's anything wrong with being a schizo. I'm just saying. I might be. I don't know. We'll see. Sometimes I, I think, think that I, I think that you're a figment of my imagination sometimes, Kirk. I, like, honestly. Well, that's fine because I believe, and don't let my wife listen to this episode, but I truly believe that I am my own Truman in the Truman Show and everyone surrounding me is just trying to uh, be there in my world. Uh, not not because of like self, like narcissism. narcissism Mm-hmm. But because I think that there's no way my life is this good in that kind of way, like it doesn't make sense. Like when people go into their houses that they have their own lives, I don't believe it. That's just closeted narcissism. That's just the narcissism hiding itself from you. Which, is it? Which I don't even think that's possible. I think you almost have to be aware of it in a way. But you've brought up your Truman theory before. I am I not a paid actor, um, to my knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> if so, I'd say show me the money. But that's exactly what a paid actor in the Truman true. Show would say. That's true, and I am a pretty good liar. Um, so maybe maybe I'm lying to myself. Nose. I don't know. But here we are. I don't even know how we got onto that, but we're here. We're back. I feel like I forgot how to podcast. I was like trying to produce the beginning of the show and like forgetting which button to press, and then we got in a muting battle, and it was a whole thing. But we're back. It's popcorn for breakfast. We did not have a What's Poppin' stream this week due to the Labor Day holiday, but we will plan to have one for you next week. And boy, oh boy, can I not wait for that stream because of all of the Venice drama. Venice Venice Film Festival has been going on for the last week or so, for those of you um, not privy to all of that. Which, I mean, unless you're like way, way, way into movies. I don't think Venice is something that's on your radar. None of us are there. None of us can see the movies that they're talking about. We just kind of like follow the Twitter stuff. But man, with all the Don't Worry Darling stuff going on, what a year to follow it along. Um, Wow. Just wow. It's insane. So (laughs) we will for sure dig into all of that. My other favorite part of the Venice Film Festival, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, is the competition that seems to happen between who gets the longest standing ovation per (laughs) movie. I believe I've been keeping a a little bit of a record, uh, keeping track of it. I believe the longest one I've heard was 14 minutes. That's right. And that was for blonde, um, which is the Marilyn Monroe movie that stars Ana de Armas. So that was the longest one I heard. I think the whale got six or eight I think I heard 10. I heard oh, 10. 10. Oh, geez. And See, my record th- thing is off. That's okay. And then I think, um, oh my goodness, I should know the beginning of this movie because I'm so excited to see it in Ishmore. Uh, oh, yeah. The the Martin trials? McDonough. The Trials of Anishmore? 
I'm I'm losing my Irish card is going to be taken away know, from me. I don't know, but the Martin McDonough movie with Colin Farrell. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that one got, got absurdly 10, long. Yeah. 10 to 11, but uh yeah, it's getting it's getting pretty <laughs> like, big out there. Like I just I have to know what is going on with this process. Is it like okay, we are is, is it like an applause meter thing? Like at Venice do they roll out like the applause meter and they're like Clap as hard and as long as you can because this is how the world will decide if this movie is good or not because none of us, you know, none of us plebeians have, have been able to see it. Like, I'm I just so plebeians. confused by what's happening. <laughs> I don't care how good the movie is. I'm not clapping for 10 to 14 minutes. It's just not happening. Okay, do it's you think happening. anybody is? That's my other conspiracy theory. Like, that is not, mm. I, I couldn't personally. That is no, a long like, time. Your hands would be raw, like just just red skin. Peeling. Dude, I would be ready to sit down. Like I'm just saying, that, that's a long. Do you think time. there's like a campaign? Like, <laughs> like there has politics, to be like, a clock. I'm 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 envisioning the the guy uh, at the English Premier League soccer matches that holds up yes. the sign that says five minutes left in the game. That's what I'm. That's what I'm envisioning for the applause. They're like, all right, we're at six. We're at six minutes. This is, <laughs> you know. Yes. I imagine before the movie premieres, let's just say Denis Villeneuve for fun. Can you say his name, Cam? Denis Villeneuve. The best pronunciation out there. Denis is in the in the audience before it starts, and he's handing out hundreds. Yes. He is just handing out Benjamins like, we will get the longest applause. You right. will clap. I'm going to hold up my right hand, and this side of the room will start clapping. And then when I raise my left hand, we will continue the clapping for the right side of the room to get a break. So our claps can continue like it has to be orchestrated there's no way this whole thing has blown up to such an insane thing like it's the only thing you hear from venice they're like they're (laughs) like the whale was shown and there was a 10 minute standing oh and you're like oh 10 minutes that's not bad not 14 (laughs) but 10 is not bad it's not six so it's so right so stupid it's gotten really dumb but we will talk about the standing ovation durations we will talk about don't worry darling we will talk about all the news that will come out of the D23 Expo that's happening this weekend. So big news dropping in the next two days. If you want to catch us on social, we will be covering it all for you there. Um, Other housekeeping, if you have found us on YouTube, we've been seeing the views click up lately. So if you have found us and you are watching us now or listening to us on the podcast that you found via YouTube, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for supporting our YouTube presence and our videos. We really appreciate you. And finally, uh, the day that this episode will be released is Friday, September 9th. On that same day, I am going to be appearing on another podcast um, from a couple local film critics, Lynn Vinhouse and Carl the Intern, on the Pop Life STL Presents um, podcast. So if you want to check out poplifestl.com or just check out your local podcasts or local podcast. That's not even a thing. Your podcast app, just type in pop life STL. You will find the show and I will be on there tomorrow. We'll be talking about, uh, summer movies. What was good? What was bad? What was overrated? Underrated. We'll be talking about, um, award season and some of the things that are coming up. So it's, it's an exciting time, but that's right. I will be traveling, but cam, if you could take a picture of my face and Uh cut it out, glue it to a popsicle stick and can you like put it like in your back I could uh, of your shirt kind of like uh uh Johnny Knoxville in Men in Black 3 could you do that so I'm like there just next to you yeah sure 
Johnny okay. Knoxville and Men in Black Men in Black Three. It is. It is Johnny Knoxville. Yes. Wow. Crazy. Why do right? I not remember that? I'll have to look it up for forgettable movie. I'll have to look it up for a visual aid, but I'm going to take your word for it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can. I'll, I'll pull something together, Kirk. I mean, we're we're running low on time, but for you, anything. Excellent. Thank you so much. And for today, we are doing a movie review today, and that movie review is of the fresh off the presses new Pinocchio live action movie from Disney. Now, why did I have to stipulate that this was the one from Disney? Well, I'll tell you why. Um, because Pinocchio is an Italian tale that has been around for a zillion bajillion years. I did not look up the exact amount, but this must be the greatest story ever told. And the reason I say that Kirk is because it has been made into a trillion movies four, yes. four or five of which have been released in the last two years. Um, and there's another one yet to come out this year, which will be the third Pinocchio film. Yes, the third one to be released this year. And that one is directed by Guillermo del Toro. So the Pinocchio situation is fully out of control at this point and must be stopped. It must be. Yeah, I don't know what the love, the deep, deep love in the film community to make another Pinocchio film, but we get it, guys. We know how it goes. We know we, how we it got starts. It. And because of we that, we're, <laughs> we're not synopsing this movie this week because I, I, I just assume that everybody has to know at this point. Surely you've seen one of the iterations of this. And I get it. It's a good, it's an Italian folktale. But like seriously, for as yeah. many movies to have been made out of this as there have been, this must be the greatest story ever. And frankly, for you've my got, money, it's not. You've got the Bible. Yeah. But just above it, squeaking in. Pinocchio. Pinocchio. <laughs> it has touched more hearts and lives than any other religious text or anything ever. <laughs> in the history of the world. Like the Da Vinci code, Harry Potter don't come close to Nothing. Pinocchio. It's, it, it's unbelievable. Um, so I Nothing. went on a rant and I need to find the clip and post it on social. But after, I think it was the 2021 Oscars, some Pinocchio movie won like something in the visual effects arena. If I'm remembering correctly, and I, I about fell out of my chair because I was like, what is happening? <laughs> like, why, why are there more Pinocchio movies being made? And who is asking for all of this? They must be stopped. We need to find this person and stop them. I mean, at this point, the next one they come out is going to be like Pinocchio 25, like bond status. Because there must be so oversaturated. <laughs> seriously, there must be some mob boss somewhere smoking a cigar oh. and being like, it's an Italian classic. We have to keep the Pinocchio movies coming. That's a terrible <laughs> accent. But you know what I'm saying? Like, no, there's no, <laughs> no, I will not. There's no other explanation that I will accept because it's gotten so absurd. But. And you know what? They would not approve of this one because guess what? No tobacco in sight in no Disney's tobacco in sight. reimagining. <laughs> no, and and no Italian accent in sight for uh, our friend Geppetto, <laughs> played That's, by Tom Hanks. Good Lord, who knows what accent that is? <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into it. Once more for clarity, this is the Pinocchio based on the Disney animated Pinocchio from like 1940, Okay. This yeah. is the live action reimagining of that film from Disney directed by Robert Zemeckis, legendary director who directed Forrest Gump. He's directed many, 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 many other things. Um, and 
Polar Express also with Polar Express, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Lots of Tom Hanks collabs going on. Castaway, I believe he was a producer on that film. Did he yeah. direct Castaway? Uh, I don't I can't remember. remember. Um, but anyway, legendary director. He's directed so many things <laughs> that I can't even remember um, what all they are. I'm going to look it up while we chat here but oh, yes your, your boy did you know back to the future back to you the know, future yeah no big deal writer director of forrest gump again tom hanks i said um, forrest gump you did say forrest gump i didn't that's hear you that's I always was... where my head goes it's like robert zemeckis forrest gump that's where it goes but polar express is a good call that will probably come up during this discussion to be honest oh, yeah uh, he also directed back to the future i knew he was a producer um he directed all three congratulations uh forrest gump Tales from the Crypt episode uh, from 1995. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Castaway, Beowulf, Polar Express, Flight. Welcome oh, to Marvel. I Marwin. forgot about Flight. That's kind of the, a terrible movie. The Witches reboot. And, oh, yes. Of the, course. The uh, much maligned HBO Max, The Witches. Uh, yeah. With Anne Hathaway. Possibly erased for all time. Could, uh, maybe. <laughs> it could be. So, anyway, that's where we're at. Tom Hanks plays Geppetto. There's a few other uh, notable cast members, including Cynthia Revo as the Blue Fairy, who appears for like 10 seconds in the entire movie, and yeah. JGL, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, as Jiminy Cricket. So, Kirk, we're not synopsing it. We're going to finally talk about this movie. Let's start with the acting performances of Pinocchio live action. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? I don't remember whose turn it is. Well, since we're not synopsing, it's hard to tell. Usually it's the person who synopsis who kicks us off. So I'll start. I'll start. Fine. For my and the Oscar goes to, which is for the best actor in the film, I'm going with none other than Pinocchio himself. That's played by Benjamin Evan Ainsworth, um, who was a young actor who is stepping into the wooden shoes of Pinocchio as many, many, many have before. Um, But what I really liked about this performance was that it was, it it just wasn't um, a lifeless voice acting performance. And for a young kid to be doing this and kind of recreating a character, because in a way this is, this is different because it's not really just like, you get to do your own interpretation of Pinocchio. Like this is the Disney Pinocchio that you're doing. So you have to sort of recreate that character in a live action sort of manner. Um, And I thought he did a splendid job. I thought it was a good performance. I thought it was a good vocal performance. Um, Lots of nuance going, going on in the performance, um, which you wouldn't expect because when you think Pinocchio, you just think kind of high pitched voice, very cheery. Um, But there was a lot more uh, going on there than that. He managed to keep, the like innocent puppety kind of born yesterday feel to him. Um, And I really respected that. It reminded me of, we've got a a lot of really good young voice actors recently, but this reminded me of the performance um, in Luca, the, uh, of the main character, Luca as just a really good, well-constructed, well-delivered acting performance. That was Jacob Tremblay in that film. But, um, I, I wasn't expecting much from this and that's why I think I was so, so taken aback by it because it, like, I'm just like, well, it could be anybody. It's just somebody doing a Pinocchio impression. But really I felt like this was so much more than that. It managed to really make you feel like you were back with the original character while also feeling like this version was something new all its own. So Benjamin Evan Ainsworth, good on you, mate. Uh, good, good performance. Really enjoyed your interpretation of Pinocchio. 
Good on you, mate. That's what he would say <laughs> if he was speaking in his Pinocchio voice, I believe. Yes, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Can confirm. End of podcast. Goodbye. <laughs> is it my turn? Yes. Yes. It is time to reveal my best actor. And I'm going to choose Mr. Joseph Gordon Levitt in the role of Jiminy Cricket. I mean, Joseph Gordon Levitt, if you would have asked me 30 years ago, what the kid from third, uh, oh gosh, now I've already forgotten, Third Rock from the Sun would be in with the long hair and the goofy looking face and attitude. No way would I say that he's got his own media company. He's been in dozens of Oscar nominated films, dozens of films that are in the hearts of people's uh, memory of film forever. Joseph Gordon-Levitt absolutely kills it. It does not sound like him. I, I believe that we got like a like a fake out because in the trailer, I feel like I could hear him. But then watching this movie, I mean, AirPods in full surround spatial audio. I did not hear him one bit. I just heard Jiminy Cricket. I thought it was spectacular. I thought it was charming. I thought it was meek when it needed to be meek. And he killed it. He absolutely killed it. I, I don't know that there's something that this man cannot do. I don't know that I've seen him in a role where I'm like, meh. Should have stepped back. I mean, oh, I take that back. I've seen the walk where he's like walking on this like wire and it's ridiculous. Awesome. Aside from that, I have to say, Jiminy Cricket stole my heart in this show. Congratulations, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And thank you. Yeah, I I have to go with JGL for my scene stealer as Jiminy Cricket um, because I like this performance a lot. I liked how, to your point, it's a great voice acting performance because he created his own voice for it I just felt like he was a little bit my only the only reason he wasn't my main best actor was I felt like he was a little bit held back by the original Jiminy Cricket being as iconic a character as it was because some of these lines because it is a Disney remake were exactly the same as the original movie and so there is this sort of pressure to recreate these iconic moments in the live action form for whatever reason and I felt like you you just can feel that, you know, like you can feel when those moments come, when he's supposed to say a specific thing. Um, like when the, when the like music box marionette thing is coming and he's like, may I cut in? Thank you. You know, that part, like there are certain moments from that movie that are just iconic and you're used to hearing Jiminy Cricket say. And so it's like the Bart Simpson meme, meme where everybody's like, say the thing, say the thing. And he <laughs> says it exactly the right way. And it's like, ah, you know, everybody's waiting for those moments um but i did think joseph gordon levitt totally disappeared into this character um there were only a few times in fact i I had the opposite experience kirk where like in the trailer i couldn't hear joseph gordon levitt at all but in the movie there were a couple of times where i heard him but not not really any faults of his own i mean he he still i think the only fault was just that and, and this isn't an issue it's just that Jiminy Cricket's national natural tonality is kind of close to Joseph Gordon-Levitt's because he has a little bit of a higher register voice in general, um, like myself. So I could hear him every now and again, but I thought he was so great, and I thought that he delivered a really awesome performance and was the perfect, perfect animated sidekick um, like Jiminy Cricket has always been um, and brought so much life to that character and made it a lot of fun. Um, certainly... I think him and Pinocchio are far and away the most likable characters, the biggest takeaways from this entire movie. You feel like 
when those two are kind of off doing their thing where they're in the kind of like master and apprentice relationship where like Jiminy's the conscience and, and Pinocchio's, you know, the innocent little wide eyed, bushy tailed kid like that. Those were the most lively points of the whole movie and the points where it felt like, okay, I like what's happening here. Um, whereas like everywhere else it wasn't as good. And I think it's just because those two were both giving great performances and really bringing these characters to life. Um, though they were animated characters. So I, I agree with you, Kirk. JGL, but he gets my scene stealer instead. Scene stealer. Okay, how about mine? I'm going to pick Miss Cynthia Arrivo. I mean, such robbery that we didn't get to see her come back, like in the OG Disney film. It's not okay. It's not okay, because when I tell you that she immediately captured my attention uh like i had this on in the background and i was like all right cool i gotta i gotta watch this i gotta get through this uh and i want to i want to pay attention to it and, but i was doing other things and i i i heard her voice come on screen and i just stopped and then she sang and i mean the command of her voice and her vocal talent is out of this world i mean everyone says that but i just want to reiterate it again for history is out of this world there, there's no one, no one on her level. There's no one who does exactly or anything near what she does. There's a lot of incredible vocalists, but she just is something different. And I can't pinpoint what X factor she has specifically, but it always enchants me. And how perfect was it that she was the blue fairy casting spells and magic wishes? Uh, I just wish we would have had her a little bit more, even if it was just her voice coming back for something or just uh, we got little essence of her uh, at, at the latter half with some blue fairy dust and such. But I really, really, really wanted her to come back even for just a split second. She wins my scene stealer today. And I hope she mesmerized and enchanted the other listeners and viewers out there today. Yeah, I feel like she would have elevated the movie had we had more time with her. It was it was criminal. It was really criminal yeah. the amount of time that we got. Like truly one scene, um, which was just silly. And and that was the reason like I didn't pick her because I had the same thing. And, and I was just so I felt so jaded by the fact that I'm like, what? You give Cynthia Revo good billing in this movie. She's in the trailer. She's on the red carpet, the whole thing. And then it's like one moment. She doesn't even get to sing a huge portion of the song. And then she gets relegated to a post credits song, like a credit song situation. I was like, come on, what, what a, because she is an unbelievable talent, like a a true star. And like somebody who just, just like, emits star power on her own. Mm-hmm. It's not something where it's like, oh, you know, that's so-and-so. They're the son or daughter of so-and-so. Don't they look so much like... Like, she just is a star. Right. Um, I think that that role specifically, anytime you're playing the fairy godmother or the voice of magic, or that has such an opportunity to be such a cheesy moment, like if you yes. don't play it right. And when she spoke her voice and had such conviction of who she was yes. and how important she was to not only specifically Pinocchio and Jiminy, but like to anyone who might summon her when they wish upon a star, like, I mean, that sounds so silly, but when you really listen to her and how she delivers her very few lines separate from her song, it's just very powerful, very intentional, and very, quite frankly, magical. Yeah, it was very real. And she, it's it's the little things, it's the nuanced parts that she kind of threw in where it's like, 
she comes in and to your point, she doesn't do this big corny fairy entrance. She's just like, Hmm, what seems to be, you know, what seems to be the problem here? She kind of just gets right into business doing her fairy duties. And so you're like, Oh yeah, I buy this. This is, you know, Geppetto wished on the wishing star and now she's here to do her job. <laughs> you know, that's right. kind of how she went about it. And it was very, Clocking in. yeah, it was just very like real and lighthearted and, and not over the top corny. So, um, yeah, I dug it. I just wanted more and I was, I felt angry that we didn't get it. So, <laughs> all right, let's jump into the production side of this movie. Very interesting movie because I mean, we could talk about it for we could we could write a book about it at this point. The Disney live actions, um, as they are known, I guess now amongst pretty much everybody, are really their own total thing. And everybody's question is always like, to what extent is it a live action film? And I would say in this movie, everything that you expect to be CGI is, and then and then some. <laughs> you know, like every animal that appears from Figaro to Cleo the fish to honest John and Gideon and all those fools, the donkeys, they are all CGI. Not one bit of them is real ever. Not, not at a single point. And Pinocchio is the same way. 100% CGI throughout Jiminy cricket, totally CGI throughout. I mean, as you would sort of expect for Jiminy, but that I just kind of want to level set. Like that is what we're talking about here. When we talk about live action, Geppetto and any of the true humans are human um but everything else is cgi and then some so uh it makes it a little bit different but i for that reason i do want to be be specific about my um showstopper and my director shoes because they are both in the visual effects arena i would say um and the first one is specific to the pinocchio character himself my showstopper is the character design and animation of Pinocchio. Um, and, and I'll go as far as to say the coloration too. the way that they created a CGI version of Pinocchio in a way that was so like even closer to the animated, uh, cartoon 2d version than anything I've ever seen was unbelievable. It's like anytime you see a 2d character go through the transformation of becoming, um, three-dimensionalized there's always a bit of weirdness right like there's always some level of weirdness even i was just watching the sonic movie with my kids because my oldest son is like really into sonic right now um even that after they redid it and every all the fans were like yes we're okay with this it still doesn't fully look like sonic like there's always just a bit of it's uncanny. There's something there that just never feels quite right. That could not be farther from the truth with this character. This character was pitch perfectly colored, designed, animated, meaning his actual motions and the way that he carried himself. Perfect in every way. It's like you can tell that the, that the majority of the time and effort and energy went into making this character look as immaculate as possible and they succeeded i mean it was it was awesome the the color of the hat uh the way that he sort of popped within the natural textures and landscapes of this movie um and really they were they were real textures for the most part um in terms of set designs whenever they had actual physical practical sets um practical things like boats and costumes and things like that the way that pinocchio looked in that world and the way that he popped against that uh, color spectrum 
was just awesome. And, and I, I was, I found myself at multiple times throughout the movie, just kind of marveling at Pinocchio, just whatever he was doing, being like, wow, that looks so stinking good. I just really enjoyed the character. Um, and despite my earlier Pinocchio hating, <laughs> I will say that the 1940 version was one of my favorite movies as a kid. It's not anymore. Um, I legitimately used to embarrass my parents by walking around Walmart and telling people that my name was Cameron the Real Boy because I wanted to stipulate that I was, in fact, not a reanimated uh, wooden puppet, but actually a real person. Yes. Just in case. <laughs> Just in case anybody any was wondering, because that I in my head I was like, this is something that happens. There are like there are puppets and then there are people, and I am a I am a people. But um so the nostalgia factor of seeing this character brought to life in this new way was I don't want to say like worth the cost of admission, considering the cost of admission is just my monthly uh, Disney plus subscription, but it was cool to see. I, I enjoyed it and I was happy that I had seen it. Um, so I give them major props for that because I don't think that's easy to do. Lots of people have tried it and lots of people will continue to try it with various characters and it's not easy no matter how simple the character design is. Um, and they knocked it out of the park. So the Pinocchio character design and animation absolutely stole the show for me. It did. I mean, when he comes on the screen, for that first time. I mean, you've already seen the trailer, but when he is there and he is on the screen and he is moving, he lights up uh, from the blue fairy. You're just like, holy cow. I mean, honestly, it, <laughs> this might be like blasphemy. It, it almost looks better than the original. Like yeah, it's insane. Seriously. Like I could reach through like Wonka vision, reach through my, my iPad or my TV and grab him, pick him up. And I would have the perfect Pinocchio. It's absolutely immaculate. This, this Pinocchio version. I'm so thankful we have it. Um, excellent choice. Excellent choice. My showstopper, ladies and gentlemen, from the worst part of the original film to my favorite part of the new iteration, pleasure island there it is i cannot believe what they did with this because when you see the original it's grimy it's um it's sinful right it's it's decrepit there's all these things you shouldn't be doing and you know you shouldn't be doing it the moment they start doing things you're like wrong bad no ouch get me out of here you all it's almost like like a horror like uh house of mirrors uh uh scary fun house hayride haunted hayride sort of thing but when you get Get to this iteration of Pleasure Island, it's actually smoke and mirrors, enticing, not scary. It literally is on a Disney track. You are in this. Uh, were they in a boat or were they in like a like a carriage? Whatever it was, it like is a Ferris wheel that turns into like a boat ride. Yeah, of. yeah. But I mean, it, it absolutely. If they don't one day build a Pinocchio ride based on this, I will be gravely disappointed as as an adult one day because it is seemingly a very fun disney ride as i mean it even like curves and like you know how you're riding on a disney ride and then it just kind of ratchets a little and then just like shifts into a slightly different uh path to get you to a different lo location that's what it looks like in here people popping up and disappearing people popping up and singing there's all this wonderful these wonderful things they get root beer delivered to them um there's a moment when they they even kind of uh, have 
uh, an allusion to like current times where kids are uh, popping in front of these uh, seemingly uh, like mirror mirror and glass uh, kind of kaleidoscopes that throw their faces on screen, but are really like screens and cameras. And all of the little touches throughout this sequence, I was so mortified when we when we got there that I was like, here we go. This is the worst part. I just have to trudge through this. And it was, again, my absolute favorite part of this movie. I would watch it, just this part, over and over again. It has a great song. Luke Evans pops in, our former live-action Gaston. And it's just just wonderful. Wonderful. You don't feel grimy when you watch this part. You feel a little uneasy right at the beginning, but ultimately you're like, this is good, until everything falls apart at the end and then they have to get going get into hiding but there's a brief two and a half minutes where this thing rocks then that is my showstopper pleasure island the disney ride inside of pinocchio (laughs) they do have a pinocchio ride at disneyland park okay um there's also like the storybook thing where you kind of like go through monstro's mouth in a boat but the pinocchio ride is like a very 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 old ride very like Mr. Toad's wild ride kind of style, you know, it's like, it's, it's that sort of thing. It's nothing like what we saw in this movie, which would be a a definite win in my book. This is what I want. This would be this update to the, the current ride or get a secondary ride, you know, keep the storybook, add this bad boy would be similar to the update on, uh, Snow White and the seven dwarves. Yeah. The the seven seven dwarves mind train. train. Yeah. Oh man. It's so good. Yeah, it would be good. It would be good. Um, also, what does that Luke Evans Disney contract look like? I gotta get. I need to get my <laughs> my reading glasses on for that because I think that dude might have sold his soul to the devil, and they're just like, you have to do whatever we want you to do, whenever we want you to do it, no matter what. If that means we That's want right. you to do a sing along on Disney Plus during COVID, you're doing it. If that means we want you to sing one song in at Pleasure Island in Disney <laughs> in Disney's live action Pinocchio, you are doing it's uh there has to be something like that in the contract i think he needs to get better agents or something i don't know right right they will own him for the rest of time yeah all right director's shoes um this is where it gets bumpy folks this is where it gets bumpy for me so i was uh, i made the stipulation that i was specific to pinocchio's character design the reason for that is because the rest of this movie's aesthetic I just felt to be totally off. I felt like there was always too much going on when there should have been less. There was a lot of things that could have been practical that they chose to do CGI, which I thought was strange. There were a lot of characters that were way like overly cartoony within their own environment in terms of not just how they looked, but also how they acted. Um, and, and overall, I just thought the aesthetic always felt a bit artificial. And I know that it's a, it's a fantasy movie and people are always like, well, it's just, you know, it's, it's made up. So, of course, it's going to feel not real. But it has to feel real within the confines of the movie. It has to gel. It has to feel like something. It has to feel like a story that you can believe because everything in there is kind of gelling and it, and it abides by the same rules in general um, design guidelines and practices. I think that this, you know, and, and in fairness, I will just say this out front. I'm not a huge fan of any Robert Zemeckis 
um, animated films. Didn't like Beowulf. Not a huge fan of Polar Express. And that Christmas Carol movie with Jim Carrey is a total no-go for me. I just, there's something just off kilter about the way that he chooses to direct animated films and the way that his animated characters kind of move and act and look. I just, I, I don't, I don't like the vibe. And there was a lot of that going on in this movie, particularly with characters like Honest John and Gideon didn't really dig their whole vibe, how they looked, how they moved, how they acted. Um, it, it just didn't really work for me. And a lot of times like there was just too much of a contrast between what was going on in the real practical textures and what was happening with the characters that it just killed the suspension of disbelief to a level where it was totally un unrecoverable. And it felt like stuff that could have been smoothed out and cleaned up, but it just wasn't. And, and so that made, gave the movie a really kind of like artificial overproduced sort of feel, um, which is something that can sometimes happen with these Disney live actions. It has happened before. Um, I have been a pretty vocal critic of the Disney live action remakes. So I know that I may not be the most unbiased person here, but once again, I felt like it wasn't working for me. I, I failed to see why if you're going to take an animated movie and make it live action, you leave most of the elements that have to be animated or like that do really well in an animated setting, you leave them animated. Like the birds, the cats, the dogs, the squirrels. Like, why are we CGing this? Why, why does Figaro have to be CGI'd? Why does Cleo the goldfish have to be CGI'd in every single shot? Sure, in some shots you enhance it, but let's try to be practical as much as possible. Even Sophia the pigeon, like, aren't there ways that we can make, we can justify the live action version? Because I don't think there's a reason to make a live action version of a film. If like just Geppetto and a couple of ancillary human characters will be live action and everything else will be 3d animated. I'm just like, what, what are we doing here at that point? Just say, hey, we're not making a live action Pinocchio. We're just going to make like a more modern 3D animated Pinocchio that has a little bit of a different take on the story and we can tap into some new technology the way that Pixar or Disney Animation Studios does. There was just no reason for it. Um, and I expected from Robert Zemeckis, and now I can see why they chose him as, a direct, as the director if this was the vision. But from him, I was kind of hoping for something that was more down to earth, uh, more in touch with like, this is a folk tale. Let's get folky. Let's feel it a little bit more. Sure. Pinocchio is going to have to be CG. Sure. Jiminy Cricket's going to have to be CG, but there are, there are elements of this that definitely could have been practical that they chose not to. And I just felt like it cheapened the whole thing by quite a bit. Um, so that's, that's the biggest one. There are other issues with this movie, but I think that's the one that really just makes me go, why? Why was this the strategic direction? Why was this the vision? I feel like it really deflates the whole thing. I'm glad you mentioned there are other items that uh, are demerits on this film. I'd like to go through them now, if you're ready, Cameron. <laughs> yeah, fire away, man. <clears throat> to start with the good notes, I will say that, like you mentioned earlier, the youthfulness of Pinocchio is unmatched. Like, the way they surround his 
uh, his his speech pattern, right? When, specifically when he is on his way to meet Geppetto in the ocean, he's on like a jet ski sort of thing with uh, Sophia flying him in there. And he's like, oh, dad, check this out. I did all this. I did all this. Like that is absolutely my eight-year-old son or my five-year-old daughter just like screaming at me from across the house like telling me about their day and I'm like okay cool yeah like they have to get it out and it's exciting and it's fun that's my good note now for the bad ones there's no follow-up no follow-through with Geppetto and his dead family we get this whole big, beautiful setup about, oh my gosh, we're actually talking about the elephant in the room, his dead son, his dead wife, what happened to them. We don't quite get there. We are right. We don't quite get there. But then even the blue fairy like uses the soul of his son's picture to give Pinocchio life. But then nothing happens. We don't talk about them again. And why doesn't Pinocchio have some sort of aspect or I don't even know even memories of his son. In fact, I want the next Pinocchio reboot that Cam and I are going to write to be the son reincarnated from death. The blue fairy brings back to life. What do you think, Cam? No, thank you. Hard pass. I'm doing it. I'm, we're doing it. We're doing. I'm gonna write the bones. You're gonna connect the dots. You with me? Absolutely not. It's super dark, but it's gonna be great. Okay. Thank you for uh, not supporting me. Number two, <laughs> as always, always, always <laughs> here to not be here for you, Kirk. <laughs> That's what I thought. Number two, the new characters. They don't really add anything to it. We get Sophia, the bird, the seagull. We get uh, Sabina, the puppet, and her. Uh, her, her puppeteer, I forget her name, who's like a little preteen girl. Um, they're great. They're nice, but they just, they're just meh. They don't do anything for Pinocchio's story. He already had too many people to meet and the narrative is cluttered. Number three, there is a really, really confusing hard edit after he escapes uh, Pleasure Island and he gets to <laughs> yes, dude. house. It's just like, here I, we are. It's like, what? You were in the middle of the ocean. Thank you. I rewound that. I kid you not five times. And I was like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm certainly missing something. I'm getting distracted. Uh, like I, I need to focus on this. No, he literally gets thrown into the ocean, escaping with uh, Jiminy Cricket. And then all of a sudden he's knocking on Geppetto's house and the house is empty. No sense. Makes no sense. Foul on you, Mr. Robert Zemeckis. Number four, why is the CGI water CGI. Why is the water CGI? It's off-putting. It doesn't make sense. It's well done. I'm a very big advocate to call out when water in in animation is done poorly. Uh, You know, shout out Shang-Chi in your final battle. There's some really bad moments in there. But this, why was it necessary? It wasn't. That's the answer. And my final one, number five, Pinocchio, the real boy ending. Jiminy's saying no one really knows if he's transformed into a real boy or not. And then he actually transforms before our eyes into a real boy. Like, no, you just told us that. You told us no one knows that. Leave it ambiguous, please, please. You had uh, Geppetto committing that there isn't a single thing I would change about you. And then he changes. No, absolutely not. If people want to debate it after the movie ends as they walk through the blue tunnel, oh, I think he changed into a real boy. Oh, I think he stayed a puppet. I think that is a real boy for Geppetto. That is the debate I want, not what happened on screen. Unacceptable. And that's my director's shoes. You, you have to do one or the other, for sure. Um, yeah. I think your original point is probably the best way to go about it. Just let him leave it open-ended to an extent. But, I mean, 
there's no reason we need to show his skin transforming from wood to natural human skin. Like, I don't know. That it's a weird that's a weird artistic decision to make. Uh on the water there <laughs> for for I I didn't mention it. There's so many. Th- I have a lot of gripes about this movie that don't get mentioned because I wanted to focus on my director's shoes. But there is a scene where Geppetto is being pulled through the water yes. up onto the boat that looks so unbelievably fake because it's obvious that he's just like laying on the ground, like covered in a green sheet or something yes. like that. It is so bad, dude. I could not believe how bad it was. Oh, I man. actually rewound it just to laugh at it. Because it looks so unbelievable. And dude, Tom Hanks, man, what is we doing? What what is we doing, Tom Hanks? I, I don't know. You are so successful. You can do anything you want. Why? Oh why? I mean, was the money just unreal? I mean, I know that you make a crap load of money and have made a ton of money, and you and your wife's wealth is absurd. But what must the payday have looked like for this, for him to sign on to this and then just totally phone it in? I mean, there was, (laughs) (laughs) there was nothing really life shattering coming from the, the Tom Hanks Geppetto performance. It's, it's purely a marketing ploy. It's purely just like, Hey, maybe people will watch this if they know that Tom Hanks is Geppetto. I don't really know, but it was insane. This is an Italian folktale Every other character has some semblance of Italian accents. Every other human character that we meet, except Tom Hanks, he has none whatsoever. He says like "buongiorno" one time, and that's it. Like that's all that there is. It's insanity. I'm like, what are we doing? He cannot execute any accent to save his life. I kid you not. Yeah, to his head, he would be killed in moments attempting any kind of <laughs> accent. When again, watching back Elvis was just even yeah, more on display bad. of how awful uh, that he approached, uh, you know, voices for his characters. Just do your voice. No one's going to judge you. Yeah. If he had come into this and was just Tom Hanks voice, no one would say anything. They'd be like, this is great. This is wholesome. Yeah. This is fantastic. In fact, it basically was that at the beginning because he's basically whispering and you don't have to have any kind of super egregious inflections. Yeah. And I was kind of into it. Choices. Oh, I loved it. I was like, oh, this is good. Through his wish, through the, through the blue fairy, I was in, I was in it. And then he got excited and danced around the room and, and oh, you know, man. had the troubles of a basically a newborn toddler in his home before he sends him off to school. <laughs> One of the greatest uh, uh, tropes uh, of this whole of this whole story that it's always like you're ready for school uh, <laughs> is that his his accent is so bad. Truly, I miserable. think he should give his entire fortune to a dialects coach in order to nail it one time in one movie. Do you think he can do it? I don't know. I'm uh, the evidence is mounting against it. I would say, (laughs) you know, Elvis and this in the same year is brutal. And I think Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks is a a fabulous actor, but youch. Yeah. Uh, Like this is, this is such a head scratcher of a role choice for him. I just cannot, unless he just thought this is going to be cake. I get to work with my, my buddy, Bob Zemeckis, you know, we've done a bunch of movies together Mm -hmm. I get to make a boatload of cash and just kind of kick it. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, <laughs> hey, whatever floats your boat, but this was not it. This was not it, Tom. Um, 
Okay, final thoughts and scores on the Disney live-action remake of Pinocchio. Um, by the way, this movie's only available on Disney+. Plus. I have no idea why. I'm hoping that at some point this, this ends, this all ends with the Disney live-action remakes. I have to imagine they will not net a single new subscriber specific to this project. Like, you know how sometimes they, they give you a survey that's like, why did you sign up for our platform? I would be shocked if one person said, I signed up so I could watch the live action Pinocchio. And I know my mom always told me growing <laughs> up, it takes all kinds of people to make the world go around. But I don't think, and I agree with that sentiment, but I don't think that the person who signs up for Disney Plus specific for the live action, specifically for the live action Pinocchio, that person does not exist. That person is like Pinocchio itself. That person is fake, a folk tale. Um, anywho, this movie it is sort of a nothing movie, which is one of the deepest insults that I can give anything. I have given it out before on this podcast, but it is just a total nothing burger. There's it's, it's air. It's, it's a bag of Lay's potato chips. You open it. There's like three chips in there and the, and the three chips are like Pinocchio's design, Cynthia Erivo for the 10 seconds. She's in the movie. And like, when Monstro first comes out of the water and eats them and you're like, Oh, okay. That was pretty sick. Um, everything else is just really garbage. Every song in this movie feels incredibly forced. And some of them aren't even really saying they're just kind of yelled. I don't know. Um, there's a lot of CGI shenanigans. Like even though the pleasure Island part is fun, the CG nutso land that's happening there is a lot. Um, it is sensory overload to the absolute max. And I just didn't really like the stylistic or artistic approach with this movie. And again, I will always, always, always come back to this with any remake, no matter what. And you could ask the same question for a sequel too. Why was this movie made? There is no immediate clear answer here. Like, I don't know there's no answer other than they felt like they should do it as just like a thing that they do uh, to either make some money or to do, sell some stuff. I don't really know um, because I, there's not one person who could sit down and give me a slideshow presentation as to why this movie is needed before or after it was created. It, I just can't be convinced if it was, Hey, we have better technology and can make a better Pinocchio movie eh, wrong. You didn't, you didn't do it. You didn't use the technology that you have to make a better Pinocchio movie. And while you made a better Pinocchio, the character, you made a worse Pinocchio, the movie. Um, this story also just isn't that great, personally. I think it's just a, a weird kind of old story um, that is everybody knows and it's kind of tired and and we need to move on. But uh with all of that in mind, this this movie gave me very few jollies. Most of them were centered around the Pinocchio and Jiminy Cricket relationship, as well as Cynthia Revo's lovely vocals, uh, a couple other small moments. But this movie just feels very corporate, very nothing, um, very artificial, and I, I didn't love it. So I'm <laughs> I'm giving it a two point nine out of ten, which is which feels harsh as I say it, but truly there's just not, not much redeeming about this to give it anything higher than that, in my opinion. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> you have the floor. That's Kirk. about right. 
<laughs> thank you. Thank you. I mean, there are parts of this that make you think that it's better than the original. And I think it's because of the aesthetic specifically of Pinocchio, but it really is a movie that is asleep at the wheel. The story technically, technically checks all the boxes with each sequence. You have Pinocchio who looks good from every angle and every light. There's no part of him that looks like you can see the zipper up the back. You have uh, incredible um, spectacle, You, but you have some sounds, good, pretty good sound editing, right? Like I was never like, oh, that was yeah. too loud or, mm-hmm. or why is this empty right here, right? A lot of the times, especially with Robert Zemeckis, you get these empty moments in storytelling that he just kind of wants you to like sit and listen. Think of the Polar Express when we're following the, the what's it called? The letter, the, um, the ticket yes. uh, throughout the woods and, and the wolves and everything. What never happens because this is the most frustrating part about Pinocchio, which they should have capitalized on this the most past the visual is that Pinocchio, we have no empathy for him and we should, right? Because even though he is a wooden boy we are trying to empathize with him as if he were a real boy and there are no moments taken well enough or executed well enough while that we get to actually connect with him with a true connection we can see he's going through hard times we can see that he is on a mission to become a real boy not only for himself but also for his father to to enhance that connection to uh make that rock solid like i'm gonna i'm gonna be a real boy because i want to do incredible amazing things and i see my father there and i love him and i want him to be able to fully love me like a like a father can love his son if i was a real boy and there's no no moment is crafted well enough to find that sem- that sympathy or empathy, and he himself is not written in that way. So this was the opportunity. This film was the opportunity to find that, and I felt like the start of this film, giving Geppetto's real backstory of his of his kid, his son dying, and his wife dying from who knows what. Well, maybe 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 he's not the reincarnation uh, of my pipe dream, but maybe there is some semblance of uh, he, he finds the picture of his son and they talk about it maybe, or, or there's a, there's a memory that's implanted into Pinocchio. Like, you know, dad, father, did you ever do this with your son? And there's no moments of that. It doesn't come back. And there's, that's where the heart of this movie just falls apart. It had such an opportunity and it did not get there. In a weird way, it's one of the most watchable films with the lowest scores. I'm sure I'll watch this with my kids, um, but I doubt they'll ask to see it time and time again. It's just meh, kind of like that. My score, 3.6 out of 10 kernels for Pinocchio 2022, Disney live action, not Guillermo Guillermo del Toro, (laughs) and not the other iterations. Yeah, not uh, what was the other one that came out this year? Not the Poly Shore. Not Poly Shore. That was what I was looking for. <laughs> Not the Poly Shore version. Yeah, man. It's it is like oddly watchable just because it's like it does nothing egregious. There's nothing <laughs> openly like I hate everything that's happening. It's just right. so nothing that you can't give it a high score because there's just nothing there. There's there's no substance to it. I would have actually loved if they would have done something anything uh, around Geppetto having to come to terms with his whole situation. And the closest they get to that is like he sells his clocks 
for Pinocchio, which shows that he loves Pinocchio as much as he loves the memories of his old family. But that's not enough. Like, it's it's almost like Geppetto has to be, like, at the end of his rope, like, willing to give up everything. Like, at the absolute bottom of the bottom, like, I don't care that you're not my son. I don't care that I'm not getting them back. I love you, Pinocchio. You're the one that I want. Like, there has to be some moment like that to give it real heart and to give it a real full circle kind of thing. And to your point, it just never has anything like that. It just kind yeah, of Yeah, And they even came closer than ever. They came closer than ever with this one, right? Where they, yeah. uh, at the end where, he, where he says like, I don't need anything else other than you Pinocchio. And then they transform him as they walk into the, yeah, and, and there's like, no, no real reason the for him. Moral of the story. There's no real reason for him to say that. Like they, they cheapen it by being like Pinocchio was gone for like six hours. You know, like Geppetto's right. out in the middle of the ocean <laughs> on a boat because Pinocchio was gone for like a little bit. <laughs> you know, like it's not like this is like peak desperation. I don't know. It, it just, it's missing a lot. And it just, again, the big question, anytime you watch a remake, ask yourself, is there a reason that this movie was created? Is there a reason? Should, like, do, does this movie need to exist for some artistic purpose or some story purpose or whatever, the answer with this movie is definitively no, this thing should not exist. Correct. All right. And even if you're somewhat enjoying the film, like we talked about, yeah. and there's like, all right, like I'm not mad that I'm watching yeah. this, but if there are con- continuous whys, right? If you're continuously interrupted in your enjoyment of the film or uh, engagement with the film and you're saying well, why'd that happen why didn't they do this they kind of led us to believe they would do this those are moments where you can say eh, maybe this isn't tracking quite right like it should yep absolutely all right y'all that's it live action pinocchio review for you there thank you guys so much for joining and listening to us and listening specifically to my rant about how the pinocchio movies must stop hopefully we are nearing the end um, and, and hopefully the Guillermo version will be better than what Kirk and I thought this one was. Maybe it'll have a different take or some new flavor to it. Um, we will wait and see, but again, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back with you next week with some what's pop in action to break down everything that happens at the D 23 expo this weekend, as well as everything that popped off at Venice film festival earlier this week. Um, but thanks again for listening. I want to give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, as well as the band rhetoric, whose music is fading in right now. Give those guys a listen anywhere you pick up your music and we will see you guys next week. Talk to you then. <laughs>